Magic the Gathering is a game firmly rooted in the fantasy genre, and although what that means covers a wide spectrum, the key word is fantasy. So how can magic artists, world builders and writers create characters that fill this space, but still do their job of engaging the audience directly and holding a mirror up to their experiences? Today we talk to magic artist Magali Villeneuve about her work and the effort she takes in making fantasy grounded and honest. Hello, welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And today we have a very special guest, which we are very excited uh, to talk to them. We have on the show today uh, magic artist Magali Villeneuve. Hello, Magali. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And Bonjour, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we are so excited. I'm going to start the episode by basically gushing a little bit. And I'm sorry if it's embarrassing for you, but uh, myself and Nathan have been such huge fans of your artwork ever since you started uh, illustrating for the game. So it's a, a massive honor for us to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, just first off, thank you so much for the art that you produce, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy we don't have the, you know, the camera on because now I'm all... Uh, blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I can say even the uh, the laptop background from the laptop that I'm uh, looking at now is actually Seraph of the Scales from your uh, magic uh, from your Ravnica Guilds of Ravnica set that you did your Oars of Angel. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, even right now I'm looking at a, a piece of your illustration, which is fantastic. Um, I'm going to kick things off just with a kind of uh, sort of general question. You've just started playing magic in the past year is that correct yeah that's true thanks to magic arena oh really oh that's fantastic to hear how how have you been sort of playing magic have you just been playing magic arena or have you been playing in paper as well well mostly arena because uh i won't say i have no friends but (laughs) i didn't have i have to play magic but they are not always available you know for uh, an actual game and um i gotta say that the the really bright side with magic arena is that uh, there is a tutorial for uh you know when you really ha- have never kind of touched the game before it's really helpful it's really well made for people who really don't know how to play magic mm. and it really allowed me you know to um to take the time to understand, to read the cards, to, you know, to, uh, and and you are not playing against uh, an actual human being. You're playing sure. against the computer, let's say. And um, w- which is really cool for me because uh, I've always been ashamed that I was not able to play Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah, Arena was really comfortable for me. It's uh, just, uh, you know me and the game and uh, I have all the time I need to to start learning so yeah excellent I saw on Twitter that uh, at the end of last year you uh, got a box of commander legends because you did a big post about that you had this box of magic cards have you had the chance to open it up yet yes I did and I even had the chance to uh, to, to play a little with the cards and all but uh, because you know friends came home with their decks and also we could uh, test a few games um paper games but uh, mm. it's 
for the time being, it's still not easy for me to play against uh, a real player. I'm sure. crushed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really want, uh, you know, my, my goal is to be able to, to play with the actual cards against uh, people mm. and hopefully one day against, you know, people during uh, GP's, well, Magic Fest one day. Mm. It's time again for us to meet in person. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been really missing the chance to go to Magic yeah, Fest. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, a shame. it's great that you uh, started with um, Arena as well, because now obviously it's becoming like, I don't know why we're plugging this, but obviously now it's becoming um, available on mobile, which is really good. And it's because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends have asked like, oh, how was my, how do I get into the game? Because they see how obsessed I am. And I'm like, just download Arena, play yeah. Arena for two weeks, come back, and then we can start having a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, that it, it's it, there is that big, um, it feels like a drop off when you get get into a game that's so big and especially mm. for yourself obviously you've been designing cards for years now so you know the diversity all these different cards that must be out there it must um, it must have been a little bit galling i mm. imagine has your uh, relationship to the game changed at all over the past year and as like being an artist that didn't play now that you're suddenly playing like do you have a different perspective on your art now that you're seeing it as game pieces rather than art pieces i wouldn't say it changed anything as far as you know um uh, creating art is concerned, but mm. it really allowed me to see. And I'm not saying that because I'm working for Magic. It's really, mm. I'm, I think it's an incredible game. I mean, um, I hope I will be able to explain it in English. But um, I'm really amazed by the the atmosphere there is mm. in the game. Um, I've been able to test different. Uh, different decks, different colors, and each color has its really own specific atmosphere when you're playing with it. I don't know if I'm clear here. Oh no, yeah, yeah, for sure. Black is really not the same thing as playing red, etc. And it's so, I mean, it's so sophisticated. It's so interesting, and it's. I've been really amazed by that, and I, I was. So happy I would be able to, you know, to get to that dimension of the game. And I understand now that I was really missing something, not playing the game before. I could feel there was something special because, you know, when I was talking to players and all, people wouldn't be so, you know, I, I knew there was a good reason for people to love this game so much. Of course, mm. magic is something legendary, but mm. um, it's only when you are playing yourself you can really feel what the game is really about. Mm. And that was a huge discovery for me. And uh, yeah, now I can say even if I'm really not playing really well or anything, I I know that I love it. Because it's really some, it's one of a kind, it's a, a one of a kind game. I think there is nothing like that out there. Yeah, for sure. That's such a great thing to hear because the, the atmosphere that you're talking about, or I suppose we would call it flavor, is okay, how we yeah. would describe yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. The word I'm um, looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's exactly what draws us into the game and in fact it's pretty much what this whole podcast is about is exploring that side of things so to hear that that's the thing that you engage with the most is is amazing and very relatable to us it's also really interesting that you're the the way 
the artwork kind of in, informs the aesthetic to play styles is really important from um, especially our point of view, like myself and Andy, we really like how a card looks as well as how it plays. And it's funny that you as an artist who have created a lot of the cards that give us a, an aesthetic as we play them is starting to feel that yourself. Because a lot of the reason of why we feel certain play styles and certain cards feel and play a certain way is because of the artwork that you put on there. So it's funny that it works both ways. That's true. For, for example, there is this. Uh, there is one deck I especially love in Arena. It's an Izet deck. Uh, I've yes. always, uh, I've always loved the Izet guild. Anyway, uh, but just for the looks, you know, that's that's all I knew mm. about them. But oh my god, the the most fun I had in Arena so far was with this one because now I understand better uh, the looks of the Izet. And I know what they are about in the game. And I think that's what I prefer so far. There is this little, you know, a little crazy and clever. And I love that. It, it's fantastic. And uh, The crazy yeah. scientists. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> that just makes me think of the uh, the art cover that you did for the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, the D&D mm. company. <laughs> um, has an is it mage with all the lightning and everything. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, cool. That's just so great to hear. Can I just ask, like, what is your background as an artist? Because your range isn't just confined to Magic the Gathering as a commercial artist. You have artwork that spans so many different IPs. So we have things like D&D, Star Wars, The Witcher, Legend of the Five Rings, Lord of the Rings, We you do artwork for as well, and Warhammer. Like, was that what you wanted to get into as an artist, or how did you find yourself in this role? Um, when, I, when I started as a professional, I, you know, I... Maybe you know that already, but I'm completely self-taught. And mm. um, so when I started, I, I really started with the tiniest publishing houses in France you can possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was almost non-existent structures. So <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have to start somewhere. And I was really aware you could not, you know... Um, I, I had I had to adapt my clients to what I was really able to do at that time. So my first goal was to illustrate book covers because what led me to illustration was when I first discovered my first fantasy book, I was like 18 at that time, and it was The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Oh, what a fantastic book. Yes, I agree. And... Uh, <laughs> And yes, that, that's when I discovered those books that I really decided what I wanted to do and I wanted to illustrate fantasy books. So that was my first goal. Uh, so for a few years, that's what I did uh, in France first. And what really, uh, what really brought my career to another level was when I decided I would start to send portfolios in the US uh, because I was aware that, you know, it, it's not really easy as a um, fantasy illustrator to, to make it in France. There's not mm. enough work to do. So I was aware I had to cross the ocean kind of to, <laughs> to, to make a living. So um, I remember one day I was in a, in a bookshop and I found an art book 
um, published mostly, um, it, it was mostly about um, a Game of Thrones illustrations made for the Fantasy Flight game, Living Card Game. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I looked at the illustration, you know, I knew about Game of Thrones. It was, you know, well before the TV show. The right? yeah. uh, really about the books. And um, that was a, a, an IP I really wanted to work for. And I was like, oh, I'd like to give it a try. So, yeah, I sent a portfolio, not really knowing what would, <laughs> you know, what would happen after that. But I was hired immediately. I was over the moon. I still remember th- that day, and it was few years ago, but I still remember that day. And uh, I think I, um, I made, I'm not lying, hundreds of illustrations for Fantasy Flight. Oh, wow. I first started with Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and then I was hired to create the looks. Uh, I, really, I was really part of the starting group of the Lord of the Rings uh, game. They published and then Star Wars and then Warhammer and etc etc and um, all the work I did for the, those few years really it, it, that, that's really when my career started because uh, uh, you, you know that, that's how it works you work for one company and then another art director from another company sees what you're doing and you know and little by little, you're building your career that way. And um, as far as magic is concerned, I really waited for the longest time to send my portfolio to Wizards of the Coast because um, since I was a teenager back back in high school, I I knew about magic because I could mm. see, uh, you know, the guys playing it and. <laughs> I really didn't understand anything to the game, of course, at that time. <laughs> I already was really drawn to the illustrations. and But, you know, for me, it was another world. It was something you could only dream of. So, yeah, I waited uh, a long time to send my portfolio until I really started feeling I was ready. And then I gave it a try and I was hired immediately too. So it was... <laughs> Oh wow! But for me, it was really, and still today, it's really something. Um, you, you could think, um, you know, a magic artist would be, you know, uh, like okay, it's everyday life for me. It's completely normal to be mm. making art for magic and all. As far as I'm concerned, it's really not like that. I, I mean, I've been working for them for years now, and I'm still like is this real life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's still incredible for me to, that I've been able to make it to, to this IP in particular. Yeah. That's so incredible to hear. That's, that's such a cool journey. And the fact that you're still so invested and like bright-eyed about it is really cool to hear. Maybe it's because I am self-taught. And, you know, mm. you, you always have that feeling that you are a little out of place when you're not coming from, when you don't have the same um, background as mm. many other artists who's been who've been in schools and to sure. art mm. lessons and all, which is absolutely not my case. So even to, that's why even today I feel really lucky 
and also proud that I've been able, you know, to fight hard enough to make my way through this, all this, because it's, it's not been easy, but it's, I mean, so worth it now. So mm. yeah. maybe you need to give yourself a graduation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> give yourself a little hat and everything. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> But as you say, you've been working in this game now for for quite some time, despite the fact that you feel sort of still very fresh in it. Um, I think, obviously, commissions and release of cards don't always sync up, as we've learned speaking to magic artists. But the first cards that were released with your artwork on it were all the way back in the original Theros block, where you did about two or three cards. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until the the next set, the Tarkir uh, block, where suddenly your style, I think, started to really come through. Mm -hmm. Because you were given, I think you still had four commissions in the uh, Khans of Tarkir block, from what I can see, and then a couple in the uh, next sets. But what struck me was that you were so quickly picked up upon to do prominent characters in the oh. game like, yes. like you you're the first person to do you did narset was a character and the first three cards to have this prominent uh like front-facing character mm. was all your artwork and that's that trend seems to have continued on mm. like do you see yourself as being a go-to artist for these characters and like how do you feel about that i remember when i was hired for a talk here I remember mm. um, back then the art director was Jeremy Jarvis. And I, I especially remember the moment when I was uh, commissioned uh, Planeswalker Narset. Mm. Uh, because even back then I knew what uh, Planeswalker was. So um, I remember Jeremy told me in his email, he said, okay, you know, uh, I'm going to commission something special to you uh it's gonna be a planeswalker so you have to know that a planeswalker is something special in magic and you know to put it in a nutshell though it wasn't said this way but he was telling me okay don't don't mess up with (laughs) (laughs) get this right with this card and uh, um it just for that, it was challenging. But there was another challenge inside. The challenge was that I had to create the the character's costume as sure. a worker. Uh, of course, I, I could find inspiration in the world guide. We always have a world guide. And uh, so, you know, I was... Um, I wouldn't say I was surprised because I I always knew my main uh, skill in illustration was characters. And sure, you, you don't have any land cards as far as I can see no. in the game. <laughs> the truth is I'm not really good at environments. You know, I of course th- there are environments uh, behind my characters and all, mm. but you know, um, it, it's a pretty logical choice for an, an art director in Magic to go to a guy who's going to be really good at uh, environments to paint an environment and to go to someone who's good at characters to paint a character. You know, they mm. don't have time to lose. So yeah, I completely understand that, that I'm not frustrated at all about that either. So, and uh, so, yes, I, I, I thought that uh, I wasn't surprised to be given a character, but such an important character already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, it was really something. Uh, of course, it was a special moment. It was, you know, uh, that type of moment, believe it or not, but it's true. Um, 
with my husband, we always tend to celebrate milestones uh, in my career. Mm. And I, I did celebrate the, the moment I had this first planeswalker. So what does it mean, celebrate? Like, yay, champagne, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's to the celebration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Did the, did the artwork for the Planeswalker version of Narset uh, get commissioned to you before or after the creature card? And then you, there's also an enchantment which you did, which shows Narset called Quiet Contemplation, where she's meditating. Uh, it was after. Yeah, uh, it's, just, it's just really cool to me to see that just you took complete artistic ownership of this character as it was commissioned to you yeah. and that this character journey from like through different sets and through different uh, sort of modes of being mm. was given to you to explore mm. and that's happened a couple of times with different characters throughout magic yeah. that must be a very cool thing to explore through your artwork and i think that's really something i mean that's something really cool with wizards of the coast art directors Mm. there's really you know they're not just you know okay this guy let's give him this but there is something they are really trying to create something they are really trying to to build something um and to uh, to have us involved um we are not just making an illustration we are trying to 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 keep the game um growing and um evolving through the years mm. and the, they, they know how to give us the feeling that we are part of something you know what i mean mm. uh that we are not just you know uh, um uh, one freelancer you know they they mm. are trying to yeah i'm having a hard time explaining well, it's like a collection isn't it like well building throughout multiple people yeah and I think that's really that's a good way to keep people interested in their work, you know, mm. not having the feeling that we could be so easily. Of course, we can all be easily replaced. That's not what I mean. But sure. I as we are working for them, they are trying to make us feel like they care for us. Mm. And, mm. Um, you know, it's uh, they have a lot of work. So I think it's really cool coming from them that they still have... Uh, that kind of um, kindness towards us. Sure. Time and again, when we speak to to artists or when we speak to people who are involved in the kind of world-building side of of the game, time and again, we hear that the art directors for Wizards of the Coast and Magic specifically are some of the most collaborative and sort of generous people in the workplace. And yeah, this seems to be yeah, this seems to be like on track with that. How did you feel going back to Narset for War of the Spark? Because you did yet another Planeswalker card for, for that character, but there was such a big gap of time. Did you feel that when you were doing that illustration or did you kind of know what you wanted to do with the character? No, not really, because, you know, Narset is what I would call, what I would call my comfort zone. <laughs> sure. So, yes, it's it's just a pleasure for me to to get to work on her again and even more so that um, through the years um, you know from the moment when she first uh, was developed in Tarkir to the moment when I, I got to paint her again I had mm. the occasion to go to Magic Fest and to meet players and I could realize how important this character could be for some players 
because you know that, of course you do, that Narset is um, autistic. Is that yes, yeah. And uh, I had a few occasions to talk with uh, parents of autistic children who came to me to have the card signed and who started we started talking a little and they told me, okay, uh, I have to thank you for painting this character because my daughter uh, is like Narset. It's wonderful for me to see uh, such uh, beautiful and strong um, uh, illustration of this mm. character. So I could show my daughter that you see, you can be a hero in a way. Uh, uh, see this character she's like you but she's still beautiful and strong and you know powerful and all and I, it was yeah I, I had a few really emotional moments like that that I when where I could realize that I think that's when I realized that magic is not it's a game but it's something it's a little something more for it's a community yeah, it's a family for some for some people. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, that's also why I'm always trying to be um, as involved. You know, not to mm. lose uh, um, not to lose sight of how that I'm really making something important for many people. So I'm trying to be really respectful towards players and towards the game and all. I have no reason not to be, but I really want people to feel, whether it be when I'm talking with them, with them in um, in Magic Fest or on Twitter and all, um, mm. trying to to show something really positive. To um, it's it's not just a job for me, you know. So I, I want to show people that I care. Yes. That's so cool to hear. That's really cool. And it's, it's yeah, it speaks volumes to the game at large that this kind of connection between different people involved in the game can happen. Mm. Um, you mentioned just something uh, a while ago when you were talking about designing Narset that you had to design her costume, which obviously all artists do. But something which I think the community has kind of come out in force with is that your artwork seems to be a favorite amongst many different uh, cosplayers mm-hmm. and that they they create physical versions of your work. I know that you especially work closely with the cosplayer um, uh, Manju, Elise, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the rarity. It still does happen, but it's a rarity that your cosplayer community also picks costumes that you've designed for non-creature cards. So I know that the uh, mage from the card Exert Influence has been cosplayed. I know that Void Mage uh, is a character that's been cosplayed and they're not a legendary creature or anything like that. But obviously, you know, name any uh, character that you've done, there's a cosplay out there for it. Like, how does that feel seeing your work become physical reality? Because again, you are a favorite amongst these creative people. You know, that's all. That's also the type of things you dream of, but really don't really believe. <laughs> it really does mean something coming from a cosplayer to to choose a character and say, "Okay, I'm gonna spend countless hours working on that." And you know, as far as my costumes are concerned, I know that uh, <laughs> I may be like you know the devil's child for players <laughs> because I know I have really 
sophisticated costumes. It's not always easy to translate. No, they're not simple. <laughs> <laughs> not because I don't like I don't like simple costumes that's <laughs> that's how I am and um, so for me it's really a honor when I just uh, thinking someone at some point decided to you know to look closely at the illustration and and would be willing to wear it because mm-hmm. this also means something when a cosplayer decides to um, to create the costumes that's because she or he wants to to be the character. So for mm. me, it also means something. It means that maybe in the in the illustration, there was something shining through, um, making them feel like becoming a little like that. So it's a huge compliment for me. And yeah, you you're you're really um, you're absolutely right when you say that it's not just um, famous planeswalkers or characters. I mm. also, I've seen cosplay uh, cosplayers uh, make costumes out of you know cards. I thought everyone had completely forgotten. So <laughs> 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 it's uh, yeah, for me it's I'm always amazed when I see them, especially in real life. I'm like you know like a <laughs> um, I'm such. Uh, a fan girl when I see a cosplay, oh my god, can I have a picture with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's I'm I mean I'm like that all the time. I'm mm. I'm girling over my own not my own illustrations, but my the the IP I'm working for. That's, yeah, of course. <laughs> I cannot help it. <laughs> Which is only going to get worse now that you're playing, just so you know. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't get easier. It's going to get worse. Exactly. <laughs> One of the uh, cards that we recently were very impressed with and, and really sparked a lot of inspiration in us, and in fact, uh, Nathan did a, a whole deck tech on it, was your card, uh, Naeth of the Dire Hunt, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, from the, the Jumpstart set. Um, and we were lucky to catch it, because obviously Twitter moves so quickly. But Jay and Ellie from the Vorthos cast on Twitter asked you whether you'd base any of the character design on the Studio Ghibli film Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. And you said that you did, in fact, draw inspiration from it. Yeah. And it's it's definitely a film that both me and Nathan, I mean, Nathan, obviously, you can correct me here, but like that's a big film influence for us in our kind of like uh ghibli's like top of the list yeah, tastes yeah. yeah exactly like are you a big studio ghibli fan in general or like where else do you pull these kind of aesthetic ideas from um it's hard for me to say that i'm a fan of anything because i that's that's true i really can't find inspiration about anywhere there are lots of things i love so i wouldn't say anything in particular but there are lots of would be movies or games or whatever that inspire me. Uh, Princess Mononoke was always, it's a a huge favorite for me as far Mm. as um, animated movies are concerned because uh, what I didn't say previously was that before uh, deciding I would be uh, book illustrator my first um, the first thing I really wanted to do in the art field was working for animated movie being an animator 
for Disney, if possible. But uh, so I've always been really interested in the animation art. So of course, um, when I saw Princess Mononoke long time ago, because I knew. <laughs> Uh, it was, you know, it, I was in a state of shock. It was something, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think that's that that's um, even the first uh, Japanese animation movie I ever saw at that time. I was really into Disney at that moment, so it was. I was more into um, the American side of that mm-hmm. part. Thanks. Movie a change of pace, isn't it? Going to Princess Mononoke <laughs> from Disney, it's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I really discovered how different it was and how, yes, it, it was a huge discovery for me. And uh, that card was the big occasion uh, for me to, uh, you know, to explore it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was really happy I was able to do that. Because, you know, in, in general, and and I think that's not a good thing. I, I'm, now I'm trying to, to do that more often. I don't always dare uh, put that kind of, you know, um, influences in my illustrations. Mm. I tend to be maybe a little bit too neutral to my own taste. So now I'm trying to let my influences uh, shine through more mm. than I did the past few years. And I think that that card in particular was kind of a start for me. Like, uh, I, I mean, it, it was so obvious in that card but because <laughs> I dared make it obvious. And, mm. uh, and, and I gotta say that I'm really happy you're talking about that one because um, you know, when you are producing so many illustrations, you always have favorites, of course. Mm-hmm. And this one is really one that I, I'm not always really happy with my work. I gotta say that it, it's hard for me to say, yeah, I like this illustration. In general, I like my illustrations for 10 minutes and then 10 minutes later, I hate them. So <laughs> the plight of an artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, this one, I can still look at it and don't feel like I have to run away. So, yeah. I, I That's like interesting. Because it. it's it's more understated as well compared to some of your others, say, like, say, Chandra or Rashmi, going for ones that are quite um, obvious to players. They have a little bit more going on. There's a bit more filigree, obviously, with Chandra. You've got the fire. With mm-hmm. Naith, there's not so much. And it's strange because I, I prefer artists when they go understated because it tends to feel a little bit more honest and I think that's why Naith works so well uh, mm-hmm. the fact you were able to bring something you love into the game yeah. um, it shows within the artwork and it's a good thing you do because so many people love Princess Mononoke and now you've given them a chance to enjoy that within mm-hmm. magic which is really important and it gave us a whole hour and a half of conversation to talk about <laughs> yeah for else. sure and we have <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's really lovely to hear that you prefer that style as well the card doesn't ne- didn't need that in any way nothing in the cards kind of says that it needed to be like that as well so I'm really happy that you took the inspiration to do that yourself um, instead of having to be encouraged to yeah it seems like a very personal choice which really shows through yeah which is really, really cool it was a type of card but it was really possible to do that because uh, um, it happens uh, more with legendaries 
when the art director asks us to, okay, you're going to go and create this character. It's a never seen before character. So there is a lot of room for exploration and all. Mm. All I knew about this one was it, it, it was a girl with a wolf. <laughs> you know? So starting from that, anything could happen. So mm. it, it, that, that's also probably why I felt more at ease to explore different things. When you gotta, you know, make a a new version of Chandra or Jace or whoever, you feel like you, uh, at least that, that's how I tend to think. I do not dare go too far because, you know, they existed before and I think that people want to recognize them as, as much as possible. You don't, you, can, you cannot stray too, too far, you know, from what the character really is at first. But uh, yeah, it's easier for that type of legendary creatures to to show more of your own personality through it. Mm. That's an interesting thing because I think writers struggle with this, with writing the same character, having the same voice, um, and they tend to, in our experience, get that quote unquote wrong sometimes mm. with artists it must be much more difficult because obviously it's a it's a statement it's a single look at a character and as you say if you change or deviate too much it stops feeling like that character so mm. yeah, it's an interesting space that you only have so much flexibility yeah um, which is yeah it's an interesting thing uh, can you talk to us about something we've always really wondered about on the show is your work on the Ravnica sets, the most recent Ravnica sets. Mm. And I think this spo- uh, spawned from a, a conversation we had with you when we met you at uh, Magic Fest London. We were in the card signing queue and we we had you sign some cards for us amongst the hundreds of thousands of other people you probably had to sign cards for. That <laughs> um, and we spoke about your work on uh, Ravnica, the latest Ravnica sets, because it was around the time of War of the Spark that that uh, Magic Fest was happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed to us, at least, that your influence, because you didn't illustrate that many cards for those sets, but the ones that you did illustrate where a lot of the Vraska cards, the uh, Golgari leader and Taser Karlov, the Orzov leader, mm-hmm. those cards seem to inform the look and style of the rest of those guilds in that set. Mm-hmm. Um, how much influence and how much uh, work did you do on that set in terms of it stylistically and visually? Um, well, for the, the Ravnica set, uh, I got to work on the world guide which means I, I was part of the concept push team, team for this set uh, where we got to kind of redesign the guilds. Um, they existed before, but they needed mm. new with, you know, different looks and all. And from the, the, the very first days of the concept push, it appeared really clearly that I really had something going on with the Golgaris. Because w- when, you gotta, when you get to work um, on the concept push with wizards, uh, they are not hiring you to tell you, okay, uh, we hired you to work on the Golgaris. They yeah. are um, ex- they are explaining everything they need. So in the case of Ravnica, they told us they needed different looks for all the guilds. So there had to be a big redesign work for almost all of the guilds. And we, we could go where our hearts led us at that moment. And I was 
immediately drawn to the to the gold gallery because you mm. know the, the art brief for this guild was really interesting to me and so i immediately started working on that and i think i almost immediately found the um, you know the 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 new the new thing for them sure the the fungus and all going on mm-hmm. um and uh, of course, it wasn't just me, but I, I was really, um, you know, uh, I spent so much time working on that guild that I <laughs> made lots of designs for them. So, uh, and after that, at the end of the concept push, when I got back home, uh, I was hired to do something, um, you know, um, like the sequel of what mm. I worked on. That is, they asked me to uh, design um, Veraska's new costume, uh, inspired from the work I had done for the rest of the guild. Mm. So I redesigned her, uh, which is the um, the costume design you can see on the Golgari Queen. Mm. With the accent on the shoulder and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's more like a sort of like high couture, like fashion which previously the Golgaris had been because they're the they're the underclass they're the undercity guild so everything is dirt and grime and rot and ruin mm-hmm. but with this new character of Vraska being the Golgari queen and you also drew her on Vraska Regal Gorgon and again actually in Undercity Uprising you did so much work um her her influences seem to make them high fashion but still with that kind of growth aesthetic exactly that, that that's exactly what uh, the the art direction we had for that guild. Uh, what immediately spoke to me was when it was Mark Winters was uh, art directing this concept push. And he he only had to pronounce two words for me to get, whoa, like that was, it was Alexander McQueen. And, <laughs> and to me say, okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't need anything more. I know where we are going here. <laughs> yeah. So yes, you know, it's a, it, it doesn't take a lot to 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 spark an artist's interest sometimes, mm. and that, that's you absolutely got it. It's uh, you know high fashion high fashion looks we have going on here. They have to look really you know ready to go on the catwalk. That's exactly yeah. You get that feeling a lot. It made the Golgari feel like they were stepping up. Um, and it reinvigorated them, I think, as a guild. Yeah, which... uh, that was also the challenge because it could be also easy to to go too far on the mm-hmm. fashion side. Uh, there is something that's really dear to me when it comes to costume design. I want my costumes to look believable. I mean, they when you are uh, designing a character's outfit, uh, whether it be a dress or a... Uh, an armor or something like that. To me, it's important to feel that the character can actually move and yeah. actually fight or whatever. That's practical. Uh, exactly. So it, it was also part of the challenge to make them look, you know, because if I had been too far on, you know, high fashion with something really super sophisticated, and all, it would have felt out of place, you know. Uh, so. That was, you know, a, a balance I had to I had to find here, and to um, finish the story about that when I um, finished the 
Veraska's design. After that, the art director was kind enough to tell me, okay, now we're going to give you the Planeswalker cards. They don't have to because I, it's not always the case. Sometimes you, you get to design a character and it's, a, it's another artist working on the actual card and all. But I mm. thought that maybe they knew that I was really you know, involved in that one. So I, I was so happy to get the, the Planeswalker cards. Uh, I had so much fun on these. And they liked it so much. They went, do two. You get two of them. <laughs> you get two of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take care of that. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I've got so many extra illustrations out there. I've got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is a testament to your work, again, talking about things like cosplayers and, and how the community perceives these characters because you also did Taser Karlov in the, the next set. So uh, Ramka... Uh, Allegiance, mm-hmm. who was part of the Orzov Guild, and this isn't a, a new character or a new guild even. And the the look for that guild wasn't even hugely radicalized, but now the Taser Karlov look for that character, whenever anyone thinks of that character, it's is yours. the one that people jump to. It's your one, despite it being one of the later versions of this character. So it's yeah, it's very very cool to as see. As far as Taser is concerned, uh, there was a, a really. Um, um, there was a really precise reference for that. Uh, what they really wanted me to do was just to, uh, that the costume would would be a little more modest than it mm. at first. So that that's really, um, I adapted the, the original design rather than really redesigned the character. I had a, a few details and all, but that, that was not, quite the same work as on the Golgari Guild, for example. It was more about giving a more modern uh, look to to the character. And I was really, you know, sometimes it, it, it's not really, uh, it's not always easy to, to know beforehand what the player's reaction is going to be when mm. a character, a new card comes out. And, and I've always, I've often been surprised by people's reactions. Sometimes, you know, I expected uh, lots of reactions and people kind of don't really care. And sometimes I don't expect much from an illustration and it's like a huge wave. The best example I have for that, well, Tessa is a good example, mm. but there is another one, especially is the Seraph of the Scales. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I remember I painted this illustration in a really rough time in my career. I was really overworked. And I was, you know, I really tired and I had the feeling that I was spinning my wheels for nothing. And I was, I said, really not a good time for me. And I, I, I really had a hard time completing that illustration. And I was like, oh my God, I hope it's going to be good enough. <laughs> so I, I, I really thought this card would go totally unnoticed. I, uh, I'm also aware that it's not just about the illustration. I also mm. know it's about it's mostly about what the card is going to do. But it's even better when the card is good and when the illustration does match the interest. I mean, I, I opened up that card as my uh, pre-release promo, so I was at the pre-release for that. I was with you, Nathan, obviously. Um, and that was my card, my special, like, oh, you got this out of the box card. And I, I, I was absolutely thrilled with it as a card and as an art piece as well, I can tell you. Mm. It's funny <laughs> to say that because that's the third artist we've spoken to that has said that uh, art that we really like was when they were 
under pressure or yes. not not necessarily feeling their best or feeling very confident um and it's funny that that tends to be a trend um of when artists feel down about a certain art um or feel they didn't have enough time to get it exactly how they wanted that those are the ones that turn out almost better than the ones that you have well to- maybe that's us nathan maybe we're just really sadistic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna deny that <laughs> yeah for sure um, something we wanted to talk to to you about, and it's something that we talk to a lot of artists about. This is a big question that I personally am very invested in, and it's it's your personal view on fantasy art, whether that's just in gaming or as the kind of niche of art that it is. Like, what are your thoughts and feelings on the current state of fantasy art, either aesthetically or as an industry, and where would you like to see it evolve and go to, or do you think we're already kind of in a nice place, like? What's your current feelings and thoughts on fantasy art in general? I think we are in a pretty good place. Um, I always tend to compare today's fantasy art to what it's been uh, in like in the nineties um, or even the early. Uh, how do you say that? Two uh, thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The noughties, I think they're called. yes which sounds weird (laughs) because there is one side of the fantasy art that i really don't like i think it's getting old now is the you know when it looks too heroic fantasy with really bulky guys and girls in not really practical outfits yeah it it may look it may sound like something that's been said countless times but i think it's it's really something we really have to get rid of please Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the conan the barbarian look i know exactly what you mean the old like almost um glam rock kind of look to Mm -hmm. fantasy yeah it's really getting old and i think it doesn't it it's especially today it wouldn't do any good to fantasy to fantasy art to keep on going that way because uh, as an artist today you can really feel how important it is for people to be able to identify to the illustrations Uh, so you have to be careful to you know I, I was talking about believable things uh, previously, mm-hmm. uh, and I it's really important for me to make my characters and my my art in general look uh, believable, something people can identify to, and you know. So it, it's maybe it starts with tiny details like you know uh, believable armors for ladies. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's mm. not like something ordinary, but armors, please, guys. Yeah, just not huge boob armor that only protects the upper body. <laughs> been through that. I mean, I can understand that it was something cool at one moment, but I think we've seen so many versions of that that we have to sure. do something. And it's also true for men. I mean, it's not just only for female characters. It's also true for male characters. You have to... Why wouldn't they be, you know, uh, not overly muscular or something like that? I mean, uh, I I mean, if I were a guy, I would love to see a normal looking boy sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, love handles, maybe a bit of a belly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, representation. (laughs) 
Well, this is why Thor was so good for the latest Marvel franchise because he took a character that everyone was like, I can't look like that. And they made him look like a lot of people look. And it's good. <laughs> it's representation. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've, uh, we've been through uh, a really important, uh, really important times for fantasy. For example, um, the, the TV show Game of Thrones. Mm. He um, showed to to the world, and I when I say the world, I mean even people who were not interested in in the fantasy genre uh, before. That it's not just about dragons and you know and swords and blah 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 and elves mm. and things like that. It's mainly maybe about people, yeah. such uh, such IPs. And it's also true for Star Wars or The Witcher or whatever you you like. What do people really like about that? It's the characters and what they go through and who they are. And, you know, and I think that's now it's the main focus, I think, for fantasy is to show that uh, fantasy IPs really have something to tell beyond simple adventures with creatures and and magical spells and all mm. and at, le- at least that's what my that's what i learned through my career mm. that uh at the end you know the main comments i'm getting uh, about my illustration is you know i really like this character and her expression mm. and how uh, you know she she seems to be really like this or really like that and I, I can identify to this character and all and I, I get a feeling that I can feel what she's going through and mm. you, you can feel that people are looking for that. Uh, so For sure. Yeah, and I, I think it's a more mature, yes, um, approach of what it's been because, um, and maybe also I have that point of view because I live in France and I got to say that in France, um, fancy, etc., etc., uh, is not really seen as it should be. It's still kind of seen as something for kids or teenagers, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think Game of Thrones helped improve that a little. But you know, now Game of Thrones is over, so we need something else. Yeah, and to have a sure. maturity. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's it's funny that you talk about that representation and and kind of the evolution of characters in fantasy is so important because, of course, in in the most recent set that's being spoiled for uh, players uh, right now, which is Kaldheim, mm-hmm. um, and obviously you must have worked on illustrations hopefully that uh, aren't revealed to us yet and maybe even for sets a year down the line but there's a you've had two illustrations so far spoiled for Kaldheim and one of them was a spell with the new planeswalker Nico Aris on it who is the first non-binary planeswalker mm-hmm. and their character is obviously new to magic and offers a new range of diversity mm-hmm. and you've you yourself has ha- have had a hand in that doing an art for their character which is fantastic yeah and I think, yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, there is a place for everyone in fantasy. That's the bright side of that. I mean... Mm, that's the point, right? <laughs> I mean, all, all kind of people can be a hero at some point. Mm. So now it's just... Uh, I, I mean, it's just about um, 
making it feel natural. I mean, you know, I'm not really, uh, I don't really like it when you can feel, and sometimes that's something you can feel in TV shows or something like that. Sometimes it's, it doesn't feel really natural. It's like they are shouting, okay, look, we have an Asian hero here. Oh, something with your original. Shoehorn it in, put a token gesture. Yeah. I, I think it, it doesn't have to be something to. Um, to make your show or whatever be, you know, cool and modern or anything. Mm. It's just the way it is. So yeah. mm. can we just make it look normal? Normal, exactly. Yeah. Normalize it precisely. Uh, yes, yeah. I think that's the next the, the next uh, step for for fantasy and not mm. just fantasy besides, but... Yeah, just our, our society in general. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a character trait to be homosexual or non-binary. That's that's part of who you are and it's part of the world. So it should be a part of our fantasy world as well. For sure. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I think we're just about running out of time. Um, Magali, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. It's been an absolute joy. Well, again, thank you for having me and I really hope I was... Uh, understandable <laughs> oh no absolutely probably more absolutely. than we were yeah so. you're you're more eloquent in your words than we've ever been so that's absolutely fine <laughs> no, i'm gonna believe you <laughs> um if you uh, have any sort of online presence that you want people to know about or if you have any places that you want people to see your work who maybe don't necessarily play the games uh where can people find you well, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, of course. And I have my website, www.magalievilleneuve.com. <laughs> <laughs> we will link everything in our description box below as well, so people can follow the links down there. Um, you can find us on Twitter, guys, at mtflavoring. Our email is mtflavoring at gmail.com. My personal Twitter is at andymanface. Nathan's, yours is? At the Fox in the Moon. Uh, a little bit of a reminder for our YouTube channel. We've recently started doing uh, two minutes or less law videos called Law Shots, uh, where we explore the law behind your favorite commanders. So go check those out and show the love. I'm now imagining um, it as a drinking game. <laughs> it is a bit of a drinking game, yeah. Um, Nathan, do you have anything else final to say? No, thank you so much for coming on, Magali. I look forward to you um, illustrating more and more characters going forward you've done a fantastic job of doing characters i've known for years and new characters to explore so yeah i'm really looking forward to your work over the next few years thank you and i really hope you will like what's coming next <laughs> oh, i'd be surprised if we don't like sure we will yeah we'll be gushing about it we'll probably be uh, annoying you incessantly on twitter tweeting at you about your work so yeah, yeah. we <laughs> usually we could have fanboyed much harder trust us like we have, <laughs> we have been a, holding lot, back. a lot of praise <laughs> Excellent. Well, all that remains for me to say then, guys, is thank you so much for listening. This has been Magic the Flavoring. We'll see you soon.